I am privileged again to call this always my home, the country of my birth. You know, while I have lived out of um, India for the last 23 years, a bit less than that to be honest, I feel like my legs are placed in two different continents. But the more I began to start coming in 2016, God's been giving me opportunities to actually be here more often. As uh, our dear, my dear brother Anand said, um, I'm here on work, but this is good spiritual nourishment that God brings to each one of us. So, as you hear me share what I share, I'd like you to forget the facade of a human speaking today. I'd like you to stop looking at what is he going to deliver, but instead I'd like you to pray that let God speak through my voice. Let that change our heart and let that give us something to take back, not just for today, but to be nourished as Christians on this earth. I've been challenged every single day of my life since I became a Christian and I gave myself to Christ to be able to use my skills and gifts and talents not just for my own glory, not just to get me more Instagram followers, but to also give my life to Christ and live it if possible on this earth. That is a challenge. We all know that. We all agree to that. So I picked this very unique subject that perhaps we don't talk very often. We are going to talk about something that we don't really speak much about because it's challenging. Because it's really challenged me since I began to listen to R.C. Sproul's sermons on YouTube. Very challenging. Very tough when you actually look into the world of what it is to live a holy life. Before I go into it and before we read the passage from which we're going to speak from, I think we've got a wonderful person going to be reading the scripture very soon. Thank you. I will just very, very briefly divert to a little bit about me and share a little bit about my life, my journey, and then we're going to go into the meat of what I'm going to be speaking about today. I was born and raised in a Christian family. My life grew in the heart of Bangalore, in a city where rock music, good beer, was the perfect recipe as you grew up as a young child, meaning college life. While my parents lived an incredible Christian life, and they still do, the challenge for me was, as a Christian, do I stay on the fence, or do I be like Daniel, further away from the, friends, from the fence, to be able to be a true Christian? Sunday would come, I would put on my Sunday clothes, and I would actually change my life for those few hours to look like a Christian. And the rest of the week was far off from what I lived truthfully as a Christian. This is after even I accepted Jesus as my personal savior. How do I then use what the gift that God has given me, brought me with this precious blood, given me a new life, what impact did that have for me as a Christian? So many years of my life, I lived that duplicitous life. And I can challenge myself that I still struggle with the carnal desires that is there because I am human. But things kept changing day after day as I began to spend more time in truly understanding what it is to live a victorious, true Christian life. Trust me, ladies and gentlemen, it is a challenge. You know that, I know that. 
when you're married for this many years, you've got three children, like I do, to be able to have a 17-year-old who's going into his most crucial time of his life, and a little girl who's three and a half years old, and then I've got someone in the middle who is just in the year 12, who's just turning into adolescence, and then to have a beautiful wife who I'm married to, the challenge is absolutely crazy. How do I then use the gift that God has given me to be able to use my faith as a chef in a world where drugs, sex, rock and roll, and all of that is part and parcel of the DNA of a chef? I worked long hours, I stood on my feet, never saw my wife very often, and I worked long hours to be able to get a name for myself when I was first in New Zealand. So typically the culture there was you finish work, and to be part of the team, you go drink. And you drink well. The Kiwis know how to drink. And you stagger back home at 3 a.m. in the morning, struggling that you know that what you've done is not appropriate as a married man. How do I live on the fence any longer? How do I learn to percolate what God has blessed me with and to be able to use my life as a Christian? That was the challenge. And I've been blessed with incredible people in my life who have challenged me. Who have opened my heart. You see, God's love. My mother was one of them. My dear brothers and sisters, if it's okay if I call you that, you know, at the heart of it, I am an emotional guy. I do cry very often. That's my mother in me. She opened my heart to be able to really look into what it is like to be that Christian. And so, without taking too much of this, I want to just leave this with you. The food that you're about to eat this afternoon the times that you spend with the people that might be five minutes, five seconds, the Uber driver, the guy who actually looked at my shoes and said to me this morning, man, you've got such cool shoes. And I just called him and said, come here, I want to talk to you, my friend. He's one of my staff at the hotel that I work. And I said, don't look at the shoes, my friend. Look at the person. You know, these shoes will get worn away. These cars will get gone. It's the heart of the person. And I had that little second with a little window to tell him that my dear brother, my dear brother, I'm a Christian. And this left that to percolate with him. Now that comes from God's love that I want to live and breathe and that took me a long change for me to move from that duplicitous life to be on the fence and then to actually be a practicing Christian. So can I leave with this with you? As a chef, you all are working in different lines and roles. I am being challenged every single day as a Christian, as a chef, to not just live a Sunday life. If that is one thing I'd like you to take out of my testimony, please take that with you today. Because I am telling you, the world, when you're lonely, when you're alone, when you're away from your family, the temptations come again and again and again. And the temptations come to blur the lines every single day of your life. As much as we are in that, sorry to say this, emotional high on a Sunday singing songs of worship, 
it almost must be a better worship service on a Sunday Monday morning. So three things I want to leave with you. Your faith and your life and who you are are not two things. They are one. And I can tell you standing here on my high horse, I know I could say to you that might sound very easy, but it's not. It is absolutely challenging. Please, if you are like me, where you've begun and you've begun your Christian journey, and let me warn you that it is not an easy life when you try to live your lives with two different worlds. Try to ask God every single day to open your heart, to live your faith in what you do. That comes first. And a lot of compromises have come my way and I've said no to it because of who God is in my life. The second thing, be surrounded by people that, that can speak to you and walk with you on this journey. And I can see that already in this church. You are connecting outside of this church. Do that. Because that's something I didn't have. And three, have a desire for the lost souls around your city. Have a desire to have love for the lost souls of the city. You only have a small window in your time, in your travel, in your time here. So just as a very brief um, testimony, so to call it, a bit about myself, I didn't want to talk about who I am, what I do, and my accomplishments. That's not here for today. But it's not about that at all. It's about a sinner saved by grace standing before you, one of you. So I ask that you keep that in your heart before I go into the meat of what I'm about to say today. One Peter chapter one verses twelve to twenty five. It was revealed to them that they were not serving themselves but you when they spoke of the things that have now been told you by those who have preached the gospel to you by the Holy Spirit sent from heaven. Even angels long to look into these things. Therefore, with minds that are alert and fully sober, set your hope on the grace to be brought to you when Jesus Christ is revealed at his coming. As obedient children, do not conform to the evil desires you had when you lived in ignorance. But just as he who called you is holy, so be holy in all you do. For it is written, be holy because I am holy. Since you call on a father who judges each person's work impartially, live out your time as foreigners here in reverent fear. For you know that it is not with perishable things such as gold, such as silver or gold, that you were redeemed from the empty way of life handed down to you from your ancestors, but with the precious blood of Christ, a lamb without blemish or defect. He was chosen before the creation of the world, but was revealed in these last times for your sake. Through him you believe in God, who raised him from the dead and glorified him, and so your faith and hope are in God. Now that you have purified yourselves by obeying the truth 
so that you have sincere love for each other, love one another deeply from the heart. For you have been born again, not of perishable seed, but of imperishable through the living and enduring word of God. For all people are like grass, and all their glory is like the flowers of the field. The grass withers, and the flowers fall. But the word of the Lord endures forever. And this is the word that was preached. Shall we pray? Heavenly Father, we are challenged by a word not easy to read. It opens almost an emotion in my heart to really see how my week has been and what it stands today as I read God's word from your apostle Peter. Father God, may our hearts be open to what's being said. Lord, speak to me as much as I speak to the people that listen to me. Challenge us, Lord, not to be duplicitous people, but to be challenged by the incredible grace and love of Christ Jesus. So we really truly know what it means like to be holy. Do not look at it more as something that is attained with some kind of elevation or something that you do to climb and to do. But the more we see God's characteristic, the more we can see in us who Christ is because you dwell in us. In Jesus' name, amen. When I was a young boy, my father and mother wanted me to be a doctor or an engineer. The last thing they thought of me was going to be a chef. Yeah? When I was growing up, chefing wasn't a great job to take. It was looked down upon. It wasn't a fun job. People didn't feel comfortable to tell somebody else, my, my brother or my son is a chef. And I'm talking about the 90s, yeah? It was not a time when chefs were celebrities. There was no Instagram. There was nothing to be able to show you what, was, what a chef is, except for lots of stains on your chef jacket, lots of long hours, you smell bad. It wasn't a great thing to be. So when I first started my career, and I just began to date my beautiful wife now, and I used to go and see her, unfortunately, I would still smell of that food. My first job was actually in the butchery department of the Windsor Manor Sharon in Bangalore. It wasn't a fun place to be because all day you're just butchering. And you smell like a butcher. The Hindi word for a butcher is? Kasai? Kasai, yes, Kasai. So I smelled like a Kasai. And she said, what's the smell? Why don't you give a bath before you come and see me, you know? It wasn't the best thing ever, right? It wasn't the greatest moment of my life. But things have changed a lot since, hasn't it? Chefs have now been elevated to a status that I've never ever seen before. So, the reason why I'm saying this to you, all of us would have been asked, I want to be somebody, I want to be great, I want to be unique, I want to be special, I want to be the best that there can be in what I do. I want to be a fantastic engineer, I want to be an incredible lawyer, I want to be a great leader, I want to be someone that is special and unique. But not very often you hear the word, I want to be holy. That is the last thing on somebody else's mind, to be holy. Imagine a little girl came to you from Sunday school after her, her uh, Sunday school service today, and she comes to her parents and said, Mom, I really want to be holy. And you would look and say, Baba, come on, that's not for you. What's wrong with you? 
holy? No way! Think of something else. You're just young. How do you then approach this when you get turned off by this word holiness? Well, what if I said to you something very unique today? And if, you got, if you're a pen writer, you like to jot things down, maybe write this down. What if I said to you this morning that true holiness is the true pathway to true happiness? True holiness is the pathway to true happiness. What if I said to you it's one of the best ways to live? What if I said to you that this is what God wants? And I'm not making this up. It's in the Bible. It says that. In verses 14 and 15. This is what your father wants of you. So he really wishes, he wants that for you to be holy. When you think of the word holy, and you think of all the great movies that you have seen, and you think of what is the first thing that comes to your mind, what conjures to your mind, and the first thing you'll think of is someone who has got long hair, a long beard, you know, I'm sorry, I'm not, yeah. <laughs> and someone that goes away to the, the mountaintops, you know, with very, very um, minimalistic clothes, closed eyes, you know, um, speaks very minimal, doesn't want to be disturbed, his eyes are in a position where he is meditating or she is meditating and they are attaining something. Maybe that's what you think of when you watch a movie of what holiness might look like. Oh, that guy looks very holy. Oh, yes, um, when I see him, the way he talks, man, he sounds very holy. He looks very clean. You almost assign, assign the word cleanliness to holiness, isn't it? It almost feels that I have to have a bath, I've got to wear this certain kind of dress, I've got to be a particular person, you know, I must look a particular way, I must reject all these really fancy things, I must be someone else, and then in the quietness of my room, I meditate, no one disturbs me, and I attain holiness. Perhaps that was, or that is what you've been told. What sort of picture should it be? What does holiness look like in the context of 1 Peter chapter 1? If I could give you a little bit of window, a little opportunity to really read that through and understand what that means, God is holy. That's it. God is holy. And He's asking us in this passage... He quotes Leviticus chapter 11 verses 14 and he says, Be holy because I am holy. It's a command. It's an imperative. Now, the challenge for us as humans, because we live in a fallen world, we are never going to be like God. We never will be like God. But a simple and an easy way to illustrate this is because, my dear brothers and sisters, you are set apart. 
and you go through the why in first peter you realize why god has done this why is i'm going to go through that with you today why has he done this to me and because he has set me apart he is giving me that command be holy god's love is pure god's love is beautiful so i want to leave the first point with you this morning holiness is one way to experience the beauty of god holiness is one way to experience the beauty of god if you remember that song or oh, worship the lord in the beauty of holiness bow down before him his glory proclaim with gold of obedience and incense kneel before him the lord is his name now that whole language of god this is beautiful god is saying come to me my dear brothers and sisters understand who i am my character who i am and i'm going to give you a little piece of who i am because i am holy this is beautiful don't look at it as something that is further away it is right next to you as a christian challenge yourself to know that holiness is one way to experience the beauty of god god's love is pure it is beautiful and untainted authentic and real i repeat that again god's love is pure it's beautiful it's untainted authentic and real this holy god is embodied in the person of jesus christ the only holy one who came as god man and died and resurrected on the cross of calvary amen now that is how we begin to take the first steps to understand who god is what did it look like when a holy god touched an unclean leper or when he ministered to zacchaeus the holy god in deep humility a holy god in deep humility did what he had to do to die for the whole world that was unclean and dirty by the fall of adam so the more you strive through the holy spirit to become holy you will be beautiful now please don't misunderstand me i'm not talking of something cosmetic i have tried it i don't get to look more beautiful on the outside as much as i've tried it it doesn't work but you know where i'm going with this term the more you learn to understand who god is you get to see his beauty and that is reflected in you as you walk into your world now you will be freed of all of that unjustified anger greed selfishness and the attitude that i'm talking about of the fallen man if we bathe ourselves in praying to god and asking him god teach me teach me to be holy because he is calling us to something that is beautiful now as much as i've given you that beautiful lovely illustration that it is beautiful i'm taking you to my next point which is holiness is not easy for the practicing christian 
I already mentioned a bit of that in my um, little bit of my brief testimony. Holiness is not easy for the practicing Christian. You know, have you tried, let me give you an illustration with this, right? So I was just telling Anand earlier, in Melbourne, see, I am a teacher. I teach cooking at Le Cordon Bleu. That's one of my hats that I wear. And in a class of 16, we end up cooking most of the time two dishes, which you are learning for two and a half hours in a demonstration kitchen, and they are complex, depending on the kind of um, area that you're in. We have three basic categories, basic, intermediate, superior. The students, by the time they get to basic, they're learning to chop. They're learning to actually learn to think about what equipment to use. And by the time they get to the last few weeks of basic, they're cooking a savory dish and a sweet dish, all in three and a half hours. Now, they've got to look at the recipe. They've got to work out how long it takes to cook and plan themselves. Now, the problem I face is one of those dishes will normally be sweet. And the other, as I told you before, will be savory. So imagine a day for me where I'm coming in the morning or in the afternoon, I'm putting my laptop down, the chef's students know what to do, and I'm tasting some days over 16 duck breasts served with, with beautiful, yummy, buttery um, chateau pomme, which is a buttery um, French potato mash with a beautiful port wine jus, a bit of wilted spinach, you know, and then some crispy kumara or sweet potato chips, and then they make this lemon tart that's full of sugar, that's made with sweet pastry, with lemon curd, with a whipped cream, and here I am eating 16 times 16, 32 of these, testing. Not eating all of it, but testing, giving them feedback. Some of them will forget to wash their hands. Some of them will actually forget that they've mixed their raw and food uh, and their uh, savory together. Sometimes their tarts will actually sometimes smell sometimes of duck because they've forgotten to wash their hands. We have to tell them not to do this this particular way. And the challenge for me is when I'm not teaching, I go through a routine. Because when I'm at home, outside of Le Cordon Bleu, I only eat two meals. Intermittent fasting, right? You eat with those windows. You eat two meals and you're trying to eat. Now, I've been trying to get rid of this belly fat for so long. It has been so hard because my friends tell me, don't trust a skinny cook. <laughs> what does that mean? So you want me to have a big tummy? Excuse me, sir. I want to keep healthy. But the problem is, see, when I want to keep a routine, you know when you've changed your routine and you've moved on to something healthy or you've begun to run this morning or you've begun to cycle every morning, something happens. You're set in your ways. <clears throat> you've changed perhaps the way you have approached your day and suddenly something changes. And your routine is all gone down to custard. You know how challenging a routine can be when it's not kept. And you work so hard for months and months and months to maintain something. And then suddenly mommy says, no, beta, I made this yummy food for you with so much of love. Please eat this, no, beta. I said, mama, I've, I've been on a diet. I can't eat that. You'd say that to me? I've been slaving all morning to make you this meal? So, thank you. The challenge is, when we look at routine, it almost feels that you have compromised and that entire plan has gone. My dear friends, holiness is the habit of being one mind with God. As we find that mind that is read in scripture, 
It is the habit of agreeing to God's judgment, hating what he hates, loving what he loves, and measuring everything in the standard of his word in this world. And I'm quoting J.C. Ryle, by the way. That is a challenging habit to keep. Holiness is the habit of being one mind with God as we find his mind described in scripture. It is the habit of agreeing to God's judgment, hating what he hates, loving what he loves, and measuring everything in this world by the standard of his word. Now that we are saved, we are at war with the devil. It's not just doing good works. And this is where I got it wrong so many times. I assume that if I did things well, if I attended Sunday school, if I attended church service, if I read the Bible, if I listened to worship songs, if I'm part of a worship team, if I'm part of the pastoral ministry, if I'm the son of a pastor, Almost it feels like everything is going to be good for you. It is not. Being a pastor's son is not going to take you to heaven. Being part of a worship team is not going to take you to heaven. It's the furthest of what God hates. And many times I've done this. I'm challenged every single day. Sebastian, please don't live that duplicitous life. Don't be on that fence. Because loving what God loves and hating what God hates is a challenge. I have so much to say, but I know my time is limited. But I'm just going to try and focus on the crux of what I'm about to say today. It's loving what God loves and that is why it is hard. Can we win this battle? As a victorious Christian, the answer is yes. Is holiness possible? The answer is yes. But we will never in this life be perfect as God is. God is not asking us to be perfect like Him. We never will be. In all of what we do that will change the way the gospel is. But God is asking us to strive to understand His character by speaking to the one who's been left here, which is the Holy Spirit, for us to be able to learn. It's almost the inside out that people are focused about. You know, when I think about my life as a Christian, you know, God is really asking me to really look within and change my heart from the inside out. You know, a boy was told to sit down by his father, and I'm taking this example from a dear friend in Melbourne who shared this at our church ministry there, at our church. This boy was told by his father, sit down, son. Sit down. He didn't want to sit down. Son, please, sit down. It's my, it's dad telling you to sit down. Son, I'm asking you to sit down now. Trembling, he sits down. And then he looks at his father and he says, Dad, I'm sitting down but my mind is still standing up. Now, why I say that 
is we can do a lot of things for Christ by saying yes to things on the outside, but if the heart is not listening to what God wants, we can be like the little child. I'm going to go back to verse 17 in the passage that we read today. If you address as father the one who impartially judges according to each one's work, conduct yourselves in the fear during the time of your stay on earth, knowing, here's the crux of it, please, please underline this down if you like underlining things in your Bible, knowing that you were not redeemed with perishable things like silver or gold from your futile ways of life inherited from your forefathers, but with precious blood, as a lamb unblemished and spotless. What is that spotless? What is that spotless we're talking about? The blood of Jesus Christ. Peter very clearly gives us that framework. It's almost like a recipe book for chefs, yeah? It's almost like something I can just look and say, that is why. That is why. I go to my point number three and I'll close with this. By God's grace, as I've been sharing this, by God's grace and the enabling of the Holy Spirit, holiness is possible. I talked about holiness being something of beauty. I talked about that holiness for the Christian is hard work. But I want to leave with you that there is hope that by God's grace and by the enabling of the Holy Spirit, Holiness is possible. Verse 22 talks about why should we live in a pure way. Why? I've been talking about that already. Verse number 22. Since you have been purified, your souls in obedience to the truth for a sincere love of brothers and sisters, fervently love one another from the heart, for you have been born again, not from the seed which is perishable, but imperishable. That is to the living and enduring word of God. I'm really sorry if I'm reading a different um, version here. I may have not changed that in time. New City Church. My plea for you this afternoon is keep reminding yourselves of the gospel. As you heard the worship this morning, Keep reminding yourselves of the communion that you have. The communion that you break bread together and you drink of the cup. As you are challenged every that you are one, unified by the incredible love and grace of Jesus Christ. It wasn't a cheap love, was it? It wasn't done on some monkey business. It wasn't some cheap, rubbish, crass love that demands my life my all so there are some of you in this congregation that are a bit ahead in understanding what it is like to be holy walk with the ones that are learning to walk those baby steps who they are when you meet them when you communicate with them challenge them to walk with you and understand what it's like to be ahead of that game, to try to walk and strive. So work and talk to people around you that may be more mature in this area.
walk with God closely just like Enoch. What a privilege Enoch had to walk with God. Beautiful, simply wonderful. You know, three years ago, and forgive me if I get emotional here, so I'm going to really be composed. Three years ago, while I was teaching um, a chapter for my um, curriculum at Le Cordon Bleu, it was 7.30 in the morning, and I was about to teach. My classes all gathered. It was about 28 of them, I think. And I got a phone call from India, which is quite late. You know, it's quite late. I was 7.30 means you guys are still in bed. So it's always a bit of a, a worry when you get those kind of calls, right? And there was my, um, my brother calling me, hey, Seb, um, mate, you've got to be here. What happened? Well, mom's quite critical in the hospital. She's been really, really, uh, something's happened to her. She's had a cardiac arrest. It's not looking good. Ah, not good. Didn't feel good. I couldn't teach that class really well. I, did, I still got, I went through the class. I went through it, but I, my mind was elsewhere. Everything around me from that point onwards was a distraction except for my mom. My class, distraction. Didn't want to be there. When I drove back home, I couldn't see anything around me. I don't even know how I even drove home. Nothing was making sense. Everything around me was a blur. Until I got that visa to come to Bangalore and see my mother. You know, the reason why I say that, you know when something takes your full attention, Maybe someone in your life that's gone through a really bad phase, someone that's unwell, someone that's going through a challenge, your dear one that you love, maybe your father, your brother, your mother, your wife, or your husband, something that really envelops your entire life. It takes everything. No other thing is given priority or attention. Just that. Just that. You don't want to take anybody's calls. You don't want to access your emails. You don't want to check your Instagram feed, nothing. You are just dead focused on that person. My time when I flew back from Melbourne via Singapore to Bangalore, I didn't ask for anything on the plane. I didn't want to eat anything. I just wanted to be by myself. That attention is the kind of attention that God is asking when he asks us, to really understand who he is. It's almost that undivided attention to really look and to gaze upon the marvelous, amazing love and grace that the love that God has poured out for you and me, when we see that undivided attention being in our hearts, almost becomes second nature. That is when we are able to see the beauty and the holiness of who God is. You know, um, I get to see my father. My mom is now in heaven. She died. That, that week. But since that time, I've got a lot more closer with my father. 
and I don't see him very often because of being 9,000 miles away. But you know something? I know that between a certain time in the morning, he spends over 45 minutes to an hour praying. I challenge the church in Bangalore to actually do a little bit of a recce and actually come in the morning and actually listen. I challenge them. Between this time and this time, please come and you'll listen. My father prays for me. For his family, for his church, for his loved ones. What makes someone like that, of that age, wake up every morning knowing that his lovely wife is no with him? Praying. Praying and putting his heart right. Are you putting your heart right? Are you? Have you really tasted and seen that the Lord is good in your Christian life? It doesn't matter if it's in the morning or the evening or if you're in a car, if you're in Uber, if you're having a bath, it doesn't really matter where you pray. But are you setting apart the time for God and talking to Him? These fine clothes will wear away. The amazing watch that you bought, this amazing, amazing phone that you've got, this incredible laptop that you got, is nothing. It's all going to wear away as dust. And we, so will we. We live this life for a very short time on this earth. What impact are we making with the gift that God has given us in knowing fully well that He has given us one life to be able to know who God is and empower our lives to be able to share that with the people around us. This world is hurting. They need a savior. Now. So every day that you spend on this earth, please can I implore you to not live two lives but live one. And I know my dear brothers and sisters it is challenging because I know how challenging it is for us. So as you meet together today after church, and as you eat together, remove the small talk and the chit-chat, please, and talk about something of meaning together. Edify one another with the love that God has loved you with, and the joy that He has brought to His Son and our Savior, Lord Jesus Christ. And challenge each other to walk to knowing Christ for who He is. Let me close with this. Do you want to be holy? Let him transform you from the inside out. John Newton, I'm going to quote right now. I'm not what I ought to be. I'm not what I want to be. I'm not what I hope to be in another world. But I still am not what I once was used to be. But by the grace of God, I am what I am. So, he gives life. He is love. He brings light to the darkness. He brings hope. He restores every heart that is broken. How are we then going to use our voice to sing, Great are you, Lord, because it's your breath in our lungs. 
that pours out our praise. It's your breath in our lungs that pours out the praise that he has given us to be able to sing every day, day in and day out. <clears throat> Holiness is mere, not, not just a virtue that should, be a, that should be achieved through some transcendental meditation. It is possible. It is possible. So let's sing together as I lead you in a time of singing this beautiful song. Um, sing not an emotional high. Sing because it means to you. Sing because there's something of value that God has added to you. And bless your lips. My lips shall praise thee. Thus will I bless thee. That is what I'd like to bring to you this morning as we close.